You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, welcome Northland family and guests to Extra Takes podcast. This is part two of a conversation we are finishing from last week. And it, it was a fun conversation. Very it was. fun. It was. So we're looking forward to continuing that conversation today. And so I still got Derwin right beside me. And Matt, we, we did not fire him from last week. He, <laughs> he redeemed here. himself, even still though he standing. gave me the hand gesture of landing the plane. I mean, but but not going to hold that against him. You, you threatened him with I, another hand gesture, but you didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Praise God. I'm redeemed Amen. and transformed by the resurrection. Amen. We did talk about that last week. Yes, so. we did. We, we did. It felt timely. I just wanted to try it out. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. Well, I'm going to turn it over to you, Matt, and let's roll. So we're in a Made for Mission series, Jesus and God's Mission. This is part two. We were talking about the seven things that Jesus was sent to do that he is sending us back into the world to do. The scripture is John 20, 21. So the next question I have that we'll kind of kind of continue this conversation with from last week is about um, peace and breath. Um, this idea of shalom be with you, uh, total flourishing be with you, where John ushers in the new creation. So my question is, he breathed on them the Holy Spirit, the 11 disciples. Um, I thought this happened at Pentecost. So so what is going on here? Yes and yes. Okay. So he, he does breathe on them, the, the, the Spirit. And what John is doing, you have to understand that John in his gospel is really connecting who Jesus is back to creation. That yes, uh John one one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And and John is really communicating that Jesus is ushering in new creation. And so what what you have there in John twenty with peace and breathe is he's linking new creation. What you have in Acts, what Luke is doing is that yes, that is when the Spirit falls and he fills the church. It is the baptism of the spirit of the church. But what you have in Acts 2 is a reversal of Genesis 11. Hmm. So in Genesis 11, you have the people of the earth, they're one language, they come together, they're wanting to build a city for themselves, for their glory. God comes down, confuses their language, and they are scattered. Well, what we have in Acts 2 with the falling of the Spirit and the apostles speaking in tongues, and they're speaking, they're speaking the language of those who are from all of these different parts of the world who speak a different language. They're, they're, they're speaking, let's say, Hebrew, but it's fallen on their ears in their heart language. And so what you have now is the nation streaming in to, to Jerusalem. Mm. You have the nation streaming in to Mount Zion, Isaiah 2. You have the nations now coming into as a result of what Jesus has done through his death and his resurrection. He has reversed the curse of sin, and he's also reversed the curse that we see of sin in the Tower of Babel. In the confusion, now there's clarity of what God is doing and that he is a God for the nations, not just a God for Israel. Yeah, I think that's very helpful. Anytime we um, we can think that there's some sort of contradiction we can continue to look at Scripture to help clarify. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Um, so, so the next question I have, you talked about, you, you really said, I want you, I want to make sure that the Spirit of God fills me so that the Spirit of God goes out of me. So this question is for both of you. Um, what happens when we don't operate in the Spirit? And, and do you guys have any examples yeah, I, of how well, that's I, happened? Well, so, because I, I really do try to to teach people this um, be, because I think it can be a very, you know, it can be a mystery to a lot of people. Oh, I want to be filled with the spirit. How, how can I be filled with the spirit? And, and, and for me, it's not rocket science because th- think about again, how the spirit fell on, on the day of Pentecost. Um, what, what had they done? They had trusted Jesus. Jesus is my King. Jesus is my savior. I give my life to him. I follow him, the spirit falls. Like, And you see this throughout the book of Acts. Whenever people repent and they change their mind about, about God and they turn from their sins and they turn to God, you have that with the Samaritan, uh, you, the Samaritans, you have that with the Gentiles, with Cornelius. When, when they are professing, when they are changing their mind, when they are repenting, the spirit is falling and filling them. So the question is, all right, well, how do you know? And this is funny. You got a cup over there, Matt. So Matt has a cup on his on the desk that that we're we're sitting at. What if you poke, poked a hole in that? Okay, you poked a hole and it leaks. Mm-hmm. All right. So, but so here's what we know: we're, we're a leaky vessel. That doesn't mean that we can leak out the Holy Spirit and not have the Holy Spirit. But if you want this, if you want this constant feeling. Uh, that that you have of the Spirit of God, that you are operating in the power of the Spirit. Because the Spirit, if you are a child of God and you are a follower of Jesus, uh, He has given you His Spirit. He has written the law of God. And this is why this is so important. He has written the law of God on your heart and your mind. And the Spirit now acts as a down payment for your inheritance of glory. All right? But you are a leaky vessel. All right? So, so if you want that constant feeling and that power of the Spirit, guess how you get it? By preaching the gospel and living under the gospel. Mm. All right. So I'm going to preach the gospel to myself that Jesus, he has died for me. He's rose from the dead. I am not my own. I've been bought with the price. And so I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. And so that's why I'm constantly yielding myself to Jesus because the yielding of myself to Jesus and asking the spirit to fill me is the power that sustains gospel ministry and mission. So you want to add anything, Derwin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. you were talking, I, the passage that says, "Do not be drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit." Dissipation, sin, is literally not just the focus. Because a lot of people want to say the Bible says, you know, don't be drunk. It does. It absolutely says, don't be drunk. But there's this connotation in that text too that why is it bad to be drunk? It's bad to be drunk because something other than the Spirit, because that's the comparison. Mm. Is controlling you. Mm. So if lust, greed, malice, envy, mm. all of these things that are opposite of the fruit of the spirit mm. is dictating and controlling you, then you're not living under the spirit and the spirit's not living through you. Mm. So the reverse then is if I want to see the fruit of the spirit in my life, then I have to live according to the spirit and the things that control me that, that literally give me guidance as I move and as I as I live this life are the things of the Spirit. So I'm not greedy. Why am I not greedy? I'm not greedy because the Spirit of God is controlling me. 
And we all know those moments when, because your question was, have we ever experienced these moments of not living in the spirit? We know, oh man, yeah, what just came out of my mouth, quickly came out of my mouth, yeah, was not of the Lord. Yeah, and why? Because I'm not living in the spirit. I, yeah. I'm not. So don't be drunk with wine, for this is sin. But be filled with the spirit. And the tense of filled is this continual thing. It's not mm. a place of arriving. It's, it's this place of it, literally think of a, a container, a cup, you're pouring something in and it continues to overflow. It continues to overflow. And the beauty of it all is that God does not give us, he supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory. It's not an ending supply. It's an unending supply of his goodness and his grace. And so I'm living under the spirit and the spirit's living through me because I've surrendered my life, which allows me then to live on mission to live on with purpose in my life. So all of it, again, because I do tend to think about all the scriptures together. It's not this siloed thing. It's beautiful how even in the context of what we're talking about, you can see how all this plays together. Yeah. So that would be my response. And, well, and even the role of the Spirit, this is, you know, if people listen to many of my prayers, it's Father, Son, Spirit, one God, three persons, but but the role of the spirit is empowerment. The role mm-hmm. of the spirit is teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that I've commanded, you know, um, the spirit will will give you utterances. The spirit will recall the things that I've taught. Like so, convict of sin. Yeah, I yeah. mean, so, so so that's why we ha- and. But this is where I go back to Ezekiel thirty six, where Ezekiel says, "I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. If you really want to know if you are a child of God, like, I mean, this is the thing. If you wonder, like what Derwin just said, if you if you do something, if you behave, you act out, that's anything outside the, the lane of Jesus, the spirit who is in you is going to convict you and bring you back. Why? Mm-hmm. Because he's put his spirit in you. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and so because he's not going to let you go far. Like he has completely changed you and transformed you. Now you're not, again, positionally you are perfect. God sees you and he sees you just as you are sinless because of what Jesus has done. But but you are now in the process of being sanctified, being conformed more into the image of Jesus. So therefore, yeah, we are a, that's part of that leaky vessel. Right. So when we leak, what God does is he brings us back, fills us, you know. So, um, but I, I love what Derwin said about, you know, Ephesians. That, that's a great passage uh, to, to kind of study. Such a good conversation. So in the first part, we read a few quotes from, from the sermon, um, the week of September 17th and 18th, the John 2021 20, week. Um, let's continue that. I'd like to just kind of read a quote and then you guys can, uh, can comment. So the, uh, the church, Pastor Josh, you said the church should never apologize for inviting people to change their minds about God. Yeah. And I, well, and I think that we are living in a culture where they would rather us not ask people to repent and basically convert because that's what we are in all actuality doing. We're asking people to change their minds and to convert to a faith that reorients and reshapes their life. 
Um, and so therefore they are no longer the same person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we – and the reason why we should never apologize for that is because God demands for us to do it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. You, you, you got a thought there, Derwin? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's – it's interesting that things that the world is excited about and the world pushes, they don't apologize about it. Hmm. it it's, it's brazen. It's in your face. It's, yeah. it's bold. Yeah. But when the church does that, when yeah. we as believers, let me even go further and say, because church can be so nebulous, yeah. but the individual Christian, me or you or you, Pastor Josh, when we support something and get behind it, and we're getting behind it because it's it's in line with the scriptures, mm-hmm. we apologize or, or we're wimpy about what we're doing and how we're doing it instead of being brazen and bold just like the world. Not in an ugly fashion, mm-hmm. but literally in a, I stand by this. You know, do we believe, do we truly believe the things that are in the scriptures? And if we do believe the Bible, then are we doing our best to live according to it and to promote that in all spheres of life? Mm-hmm. Are we doing that? And if we're not, we have to ask ourselves, what is holding us back? You know, the Bible says, and we get it out of context, without a vision, the people perish. Mm-hmm. Well, the word vision is restraining force. So what's my restraining force? My restraining force is the Spirit of God, the Word of God that restrains me from doing certain things, Mm. but it also, in restraining me, it restrains me away from being shy about Mm. promoting him because he's given me, he's put eternity in my heart. Therefore, if I understand what eternity is, and there's two parts of eternity, there's there's a, a life and a death of eternity. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And if I truly believe that, then that propels me to be all in and to share the gospel to everyone that I meet. But at the same time, we've got an enemy out there that tells us, man, don't do that. You can't say it like that. You can't be so bold. You've got to soften the edges on how you're doing this. Why? Hmm. The world's not softening their edges. They're coming after us. They're coming after our children. They're coming after our families. Hmm. But yet we kind of pull back instead of being extremely bold and unapologetically sharing the gospel. So I, so this conversation and last really, I, I keep going back to the idea of holy because it, I, I just, I think it's so helpful for us to, um, t- to really be, be honest about there's a, there's a line in the sand that is being drawn and we are, we are to be set apart and we should not apologize for it. Um, Pastor Josh, you mentioned a couple weeks ago that um, that the world won't agree with everything that you say because you wouldn't agree with everything they say. It, we're, we're different, and I think we have we have very much blurred those lines. Um, I don't think it's always always easy to to do that, but I think it is helpful to to draw that line and just for us to be honest with ourselves that that we are different. Yeah. Well, and the definition that I, that I have shared, I think I've shared it on the podcast, I definitely shared it this past weekend. The definition of evangelism that I use, inviting people into the good news story of King Jesus, who is in the process of making all things new. Like, I think that we have tended to view evangelism as a prayer that you pray mm-hmm. 
and your soul is saved. And again, I'm not dis- again, not discounting that, not trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. But but evangelism is inviting, and this is what, as the Father has sent me, what, what has he sent me to do? To really bring about new creation so that God can, I mean, think about it, so that God can dwell among us. And if you want to dwell with God, you've got to change your mind about God. And then if you change your mind about God, you're going to live out, uh, you know, a life that's under the rule and reign of God. Then you're going to demonstrate signs and wonders of God and how his kingdom is in breaking. And then you're going to actually want other people involved because God wants, uh, he wants all tribes, nation, tongues, and people groups uh, to be assembled before uh, his throne. And then if you're going to really make this happen, it's the upside down kingdom in the sense of you got to give up your life so that other people might be raised up. And then, so, so it, it I mean, it, it, it's not, and, and even those seven points, they're, 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 they're not independent of themselves. Mm. That as, as we are sent, this, this is it. Why? Because this good news story is that Jesus, through his death and resurrection, is remaking the world. And, and and that's where, like I, you know, there's a quote that I, I've I've shared, you know, in other places. If we do not invite people into the good news story, we deprive people of receiving the greatest invitation in all of history. Amen. Our human hearts long for. It. Now, here's the thing that we, we, but this is why we have to figure out what are the what are the intrinsic. De- desires and longings of the heart. But I would say this. Almost 99.9% of people on planet Earth realize there is some element that is wrong with Earth, wrong mm-hmm. with this world. Mm-hmm. And so, but God is recreating the world where there is no disease, where there is no sickness, where there is no division, where there, I mean, and so we as the church, this is why it's so important that we are that signpost. We are that embassy. We are the ambassadors that actually represent and we actually reflect what God started in Jesus at his first coming and what he will complete at Jesus' second coming. And we have to invite. Uh, but not only do we have, but here's the thing, and this is, and maybe this is good. This just came to me. Um, think about why people might not invite people to their homes. Maybe a couple of reasons. One, people might not invite people to their homes because it's all janky and nasty. They ain't cleaned it. And so they don't want to be embarrassed. Yep. Maybe two, they don't want to invite them in the home because what am I going to feed them because I'm not a good cook? Yep. Uh, maybe they don't want to invite them into their home because I, maybe they ain't got time. I, I don't know. But but here, here's the thing. There's always a negative reason why. And could it be the reason why the church has failed in in some regard uh, in this evangelistic thrust of inviting people into the good news story is because they're not embodying a good news story? Mm. Maybe their house is all janky and nasty. Maybe they're not serving up good food and they know it. Uh, because they, you know, they they don't know the right. And so, what we're actually going to talk about in a couple of weeks is Matthew. Or actually, this coming week, we're talking about Matthew twenty-eight, and we're going to look at the ingredients mm-hmm. of what making a disciple is all about. So, but but that, maybe that's why. Yeah, that's that's interesting. We can the focus can be on well, once our church becomes good enough, then we can invite people. But it's really taking the the focus off of 
Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus doesn't need us to do anything else. Absolutely not. <laughs> Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, Absolutely you play not. the role of the invitation. Mm. You, you know, you are, as, as Paul would say, you are the epistle of Christ. You are that letter, that invitational letter inviting people into the good news story. But some of that goes back to how we're educated, you know, um, and that's what we kind of spoke on this past weekend. You know, what has framed and who has framed our thinking? Mm. Um, and, you know, has it been, is it society that has framed our, our thinking? You know, we have this list of 10 things that in this very specific year in 1969 that has literally transformed our thinking. When you go back from now to 1969, things that were not the norm, but it was kind of thought that, man, we're, we're moving towards this. All of those things are a full reality now. And so we've slowly been educated that this is acceptable. Some of these things are fine, but some of them are not good at all. From, from a very mm-hmm. biblical-centered education, it's not good. Mm-hmm. But it's, again, back to why, why – and you're talking a little bit about hospitality is what you're talking about. The Bible tells us to be hospitable. Some of us were not, rain, were not raised in a home that was hospitable. So you've mm-hmm. been educated that unless your house is clean, unless you know how to cook, unless you can put out the good dishes, mm-hmm. maybe not have people in your home. And that's not what the Bible says to us. Mm-hmm. So we've been educated by the wrong things through the wrong people. Well, and then, then this is a whole other conversation, even hospi- you know, hospitality and just building community, um, because we don't know. I mean, we don't know how to do that. I, I, by and large, Westerners do not know how to do commu- to live in community, to be in uh, community. So that really is a kind of a conversation. But it was funny when you brought, brought up hospitality. There's this book that. Um, Oh, I, I can't remember the title, but it actually charts Jesus's journey throughout Luke that he's either moving from a mill, going to a mill, and that's actually how he's engaging people is through hospitality just and just eating together. Yeah. And so, man, I love me some good food now. I'm a, I'm a foodie. Um, so, but, I, but if you have me over at your house, you know, I, I, I would like some good food. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying. Joan, yeah. yeah well, Joey, she, she got, she's got a few dishes. Okay. That, that, all right. Uh, that's finger licking good. That's a Kentucky fried chicken. That is good. Yeah. Finger, finger licking good. Amen. So, Amen. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, I think the, the focus and how and who has educated us is, is the problem, you know, instead of it being the word of God yeah. that's educated us. So that brings us to our next quote, and, and I'll leave this here. A failure to educate on what it means to be a Christian will lead to a failed mission. Hmm. Talk about that a little bit. Well, I mean, you talk a little bit about mm-hmm. education. Sure. I mean, that's what, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, what, yeah. what what's your thoughts on it? Well, my, my they, there's, a, there's a lot. There's a lot. Do we have to have there. the hand gesture ready of no, landing the plane? No, no. Okay. I, I'm pretty Sorry. good at landing planes. Oh. Um. <laughs> was that a, was that a no, passive, it's not aggressive? A dig, like... Nope, nope. I'll tell you if I think you're going a little too long, brother, but no, you're good. You're good. Um, so with education, you've got to think about and, and focus a lot this past weekend was children. How do we educate our children? Who are we allowed to educate our children? And then how do we take back what the enemy has stolen. Because when we look at school system, 
and look at the very start of the American school system, there were two basic reasons why public education started. It was number one, to help families on the farm, and number two, to teach Judeo-Christian values. Mm. We are very far removed from both of those. So will we ever go back to that? I don't know if we will. In a public school system? Yeah. i give you that answer. uh, That'd be a hard no. That'd be a hard no. (laughs) Um, So then what do we do? The church has a wide open door. We're talking 50 years that we have missed. And some scholars believe it's the biggest missed opportunity in the evangelical community. Mm. And that's to literally open door into public schools to teach Bible Religious instruction. Mm. So release time, religious instruction. And and we talked a little bit about this on Sunday, but it literally Supreme Court said in 1952 that public school children can be released from school for religious instruction. Three stipulations. It has to be off school campus. It has to be privately funded and it has to be parent permitted. So we as a church need to figure out and there's an answer. How do we make this happen? If, if the Supreme Court says we can do this, mm-hmm. and there are eight states, now there's two, ver- there's two different verbiages. There's shall and may. Shall is a lot stronger legal verbiage than may. Florida is one of the eight shall states. So there's a wide open door. Mm-hmm. And, and Northland, we've done things before I got here and before Pastor Josh got here in public schools. But it was after school which you miss a large demographic of children and really educating them with biblical standards according to the scriptures. Well, now we know of a wide open door, which I don't think most people have ever heard of release time religious instruction, but it's open to us. And so now we can literally during the school day and it's legal and it's supported, especially living here in Florida, we, we know what that's all about. It's supported. It's legal that we can instruct children with the Bible and be unapologetic about it. And so I think part of the education is we have to be educated on what we can do and can't do. And then we need to take the platform that's been volleyed to us mm. and give them the gospel. Mm. And so... I'm excited to see how our church is going to get behind this and really get involved. Yeah, and and you know, on on another, I would say, another side of the conversation of, of education. I think that's obviously incredible that you know there is that platform that most people, like even me included, did not know that we even had as an opportunity. But the other side is, so what I would also say is, but if you think about how in the 20th century, early 20th century, mid 20th century, sure, it was, it, it was, there was this more Judeo-Christian value education and at least values that were, that, that flowed from public education, at least from a secondary, secondary school mm-hmm. standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it didn't really produce anything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, because I mean, it was just, void of the church, well, too. Well, vo- yeah. void of the church. But, but again, here's what – again, this is where you go back to – Jesus just didn't come to teach us some things. Amen. Yeah. He, he, he came to bring about new creation. And, and so that's where, like, going back even to that, that, that statement, failure to educate on what it means to be Christian will lead to a failed mission. Like, being Christian isn't about I go to church, I pray, I read my Bible – 
I give to it, you know, I give a tithe. Being, being Christian is about being, you know, I'm, I'm moral. I don't do this. I don't do this. I don't go here. Okay. The, the, those might be things that Christians do, but that's not the essence of what it means to be Christian. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's where the educational part, and that's where I would even encourage parents. Like this is where you may not know. I mean, and, and let, let me make sure I'm, I'm very specific on this because sure, you, we're sitting uh, three guys here, Matthew, Derwin and me, we've all been this seminary. We we have masters, PhD, and so I understand that you well, you guys know and you can teach your kids. Listen, I I, I I'm saying that you can, and here's how you can. Even with all of the passages of scripture that you may not even understand, which there's a lot that I don't understand. But here's what's so important: you have to understand the larger story. Mm. Larger story. That that's the big framework that you need to understand. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. You need to understand the storyline and the plot. You need to understand who the main character is, who the supporting characters are. Because if you can just understand the storyline, the plot, and who the main character is, and I'm saying character, singular, that's God. He's the main character of the Bible, not mankind. But he is, and the supporting characters are human beings that will reflect. If you, if you just get that, in every scripture that you read, you try to understand that scripture in light of the big storyline, mm. creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Mm. You can help your kids understand why we do certain things, why we don't do certain things, mm. or why we go certain places, why we don't go certain places, mm. or why UCF might be a great team and we want to cheer for UCF, but they're not our God. You, you know, and, and so, I mean, so that that's where you have to understand just the bigger storyline. Sure, you're not going to, I mean, sure, gosh, there are so many passages that mm-hmm. I can even pull out right now going, I have no clue what that's saying, but I know the big storyline. Yeah, that's so helpful. And and really, we, we just need to be a step ahead of our kids, right? Yeah, just, just one step it. ahead. Just um, Pastor Darman, what you were talking about before really connects to the, the seventh point was we are sent to send out followers so that the world might know that there is a God in heaven. And this sentness is to both neighbors and nations. Um, so this is one of the ways that, that we are doing it. Um, we are, and just as an aside, every month in service, we are featuring a way that we are doing that, both to neighbors and nations. Uh, we've already highlighted the Cawthorns in Japan. We've highlighted our church partner in IPM in Brazil. We have highlighted the He Gets Us campaign. And uh, we've already recorded several others that we are ready to go. So so watch for those. And it's just a, a way that we are um, already and will continue to, um, to, to pray through uh, what opportunities we have uh, in our community and in a, around the world. Um, now, as our final question, uh, before I go there, is, is there any other, um, anything else that you want to add? How can people get involved? I know you touched on that this weekend, but how can people get involved in the uh, school system? What's, what's the yeah. call to action? So um, it's, it's LifeWise Academies um, and basically these Bible study groups that are formed through the schools um, and need lots of volunteers, need donors, need you know all the things to make it happen. But they can, they can contact me and I can connect them the right way. But also... Um, you know, we can put information on the website about LifeWise and, and what it is, what it's not, but it's it's truly this this release time religious instruction. And and the beauty of it is 
there is an engagement part for everyone. Some people may say, I can just pray. That's all I, okay, great. Mm -hmm. I can give, I can teach. We need teachers to go in. We need people that are going to, when, when real life situations come up where we, we are investing in these students and the student says, mom, I, I, I'm learning about Jesus and I want to go to church, which, which happens then we need to connect them to families in the church. So there's all of these different connection points so that we can live this sent life, you know, and we can go and it's a wide open door. So um, there's a, there's a place for everyone. If they say they, I want to, I'll, I'll hook them up. We can, we can make that happen. But um, you know, we, we just need people with willing hearts to say, tell me how I can be a part. Look at your gift mix, look Mm. at what you bring to the table and we'll plug you in. So wonderful. Yes. Now, as we wrap up this second part, we'll we'll do a final question. Um, so, Pastor Josh and, and Pastor Derman, you can jump in here too. Can you give us a little more of a glimpse? You've done this uh, in the past. Can you give us a little more of a glimpse of where we are heading in twenty twenty three, and um, and what should we be doing in the meantime? Yeah, that gosh, there, there's so much going on in my head right now <laughs> about 2023, where we're going, and what can you do in the meantime. I actually was spending quite a bit of time this morning jotting down the ten things that I'm going to give Northland Church as here. Here are the next ten steps that we're taking, but I'm not going to give those until till early 2023. But I already wrote them down now. Well, I was ready to write them down. Well, but yeah, we're yeah. Okay. We'll give them to you right now. Okay. Hold, but, hold on, hold on. Yeah, we, yeah. Have, we have four months. Okay. Well, yeah. We and but it, but I am using this time intentionally to leak vision, and yeah. particularly in the Made for Mission series. I mean, we are laying the foundation for where we are going in this new season that God has us in. But here's what I I would really encourage people. Just know that we are really working behind the scenes, working with the staff of of, of really a strategic plan and a strategic vision on where we are are going. Hmm. In the meantime, though, here's what I would say. I'm just going to be very honest and transparent. Northland has been through a lot. Um, I mean, I see I see statements on on Facebook and social media sometimes that that in some sense paint a, 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 a not so bright past that we've had uh, with all of the transition that Northland has gone through. Sure, th- there there are a lot of cracks out there. There are a lot of a lot of things that that do fall through the cracks. There 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 may be a lot of things where you may. And I'm I'm speaking to my Northland family that oh, I'd love to see this. I'd love to see this. Here's what I would say. In the meantime, be patient. Mm-hmm. That was one of the very last things that I said in our transitions series. Is that a transition? It actually takes a while. Uh, most transitions uh, last between three to five years. So once again, I'm just going to bring that up. I'm going to let that be a reminder for people. So in the meantime, definitely pray. Uh, obviously, um, the encouragement that you're giving us, uh, I mean, it really does mean a lot to say that you're, you're sensing God move. And like, that's what we want. We, you know, it really, at the end of the day, we can have a strategic plan all day long. Uh, but if if God's not moving, we don't want to be a part of that. Yeah, we amen. want God to move. Amen. And so, so that's what I would say in the meantime, just be patient, pray, encourage, be faithful. 
Um, and, and, uh, yeah, in 2023, uh, we will be starting off the year with the vision series and we will be sharing mission, vision, structure, strategy, where we're going, uh, how we're taking all of the elements that, that we have, how we're strategically and intentionally putting, putting them together to actually see, see hopefully and prayerfully a season now of Northland that would flourish. Amen. Anything else to add I think, before we go? I think Pastor Josh said it all quite nicely. Wonderful. It up. Wonderful. So this has been a great two-part series on John twenty twenty one in the way that we are sent. But as I'm looking back through my notes, um, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of this is really laying the foundation because uh, a lot of these points could be full sermon series on their own. So. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very full sermon series on their own. But, but again, I'll just deposit this. What this past uh, two weeks in John 2021, 20, looking at those seven things, those seven things will pop back up. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, again, one of those 10 things that I, I want, I want to share with the church again, uh, you got to wait for four months. But what does it mean for us as Northland Church to send people? Yeah. Like, well, sure, we have partners, we have missionary partners, but is there another strategy? Absolutely. We have a saturation strategy. Yeah. You want to know what it is? Uh, you have to wait four months. But, <laughs> but hey, Northland family, love you. Good night. I cannot tell you how grateful I am to be part of what God's doing here at Northland. And so the best is yet to come. We love you. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.